Welcome again to the final analysis with Adam and Eden. Um, today we've got a couple of topics um, focusing on what's been happening around the world. Uh, we'll be talking about the um, protests in Canada at the moment with the truckies. Yep. Um, we'll be talking about um, the settlement with Prince Andrew. Um, and we'll also be talking we'll about... We'll be talking about Novak Djokovic as well. He's recently broken his silence. Um, so let's let's start with the the freedom convoy, as it's called, um, and it's it's been going on for about a month now. Uh, it's going it's definitely gained a lot of traction, um, and in Australia, I don't think it has been uh, the mainstream media hasn't reported on it much, um, which which says a lot. But we'll get into, for those of, uh, of you who aren't aware of, of, the, um, of, of what this Freedom Convoy is and how it started, um, we'll go through a couple of articles. Um, so what this is, is about is basically it started as a, um, a, a cross-country uh, journey to Ottawa by a convoy of Canadian truckers. Um, who began to protest initially over the uh, cross-border uh, cross mandates that were being imposed by the federal government. Um, but it's sort of, it's become more than that now. It's become um, a, a symbol of, of growing frustration and, and dissatisfaction at, at the current state of affairs, how the government is responding to to um, the, the crisis, um, particularly the federal government in Canada. So it started off as, as I said, um, as a, a cross-border, uh, well, the cross-border truck drivers in Canada were, until mid-January, they were um, exempt from vaccine requirements, uh, meaning they could drive uh, to, to the US and back without needing to prove vaccination status. Um, and then the federal government instituted a mandate that imposed a quarantine on unvaccinated drivers. Um, and so the movement since then has it's gathered a lot of momentum and public support as it's travelled east. Um, and it's, 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 it's based in, um, in the capital, in, in Ottawa. Um, and it's, it's, it's also garnered the backing of those who are opposed to uh, Justin Trudeau's Liberal government and and you know the the anti-vax and also anti-vaccine mandate groups who have been frustrated um, with with pandemic restrictions and and who view this as sort of a political overreach um, these restrictions you know that they've uh, run its course and now it's time to so to speak live with the virus. Mm -hmm. But w but what um, what Trudeau is doing is similar to what's happened with Australia and it's it's been focusing on dividing the nation and you can see that by by his his position on well um, what's happening in Ottawa it's causing um, issues with businesses being able to operate um, uh, people being able to travel between different regions different areas um, and then what you can see now is the community is is there's two sides saying, yep, look what they're doing. They're stopping the economy. They're stopping for health services from reaching people in time. You know, the the, the um, it's it's affecting 
the, the it's affecting the people. But then on the flip side, we're saying, well, hold on, um, we need to make a statement, and this is what we're trying to do. That's uh, right. Yeah. And and inherently, uh, it causes uh, division, which is what we're seeing. And I also want to talk about um, the media's coverage of this, um, and how there's some there's a lot of bias. Um, and I, I want to go through another um, another article. Uh, Canada's Freedom Convoy's perfectly exposed legacy media's conceited bias. So that's mainstream media, in other words. Um, so the Freedom Convoy, which began as a working-class uprising, uh, has become something of a clarion call for populism across the Western Hemisphere. From the massive convoy in Ottawa to the border blockade in southern Alberta, the Freedom Convoy is now supporting parallel movements in Australia, the Netherlands, and potentially elsewhere. We know now in other countries like, I think, Israel and, and, and France. Um, and the corporate media's slanted coverage of the movement is making it obvious to the public who, can it, who, who it can trust and who it cannot. News organisations that promise not to allow democracy to die in darkness have instead become the very penumbra obscuring the truth. Despite drawing tens of thousands of supporters to Canada's capital and garnering the support of, of uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk is also come out in support of, of the uh, convoy and the world's most popular podcaster, Joe Rogan. Um, the grassroots protest has scarcely received fair coverage in the mainstream press, with much of the news being broken by the likes of Rebel News and other independent outlets. Now, I want to talk about why that's the case. Why, uh, for example, in Australia, uh, have the mainstream media not reported on this? Or in Canada, why have... They, um, you know, smeared the protests and, 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 you know, used labels to, you know, to tarnish the reputation of, of those involved. And I think it, it, it boils down to, to the business model of, of the media, right? Because the media are, are beholden to those who fund them. Right to you know um, to uh, corporate uh, big corporations like you know uh, big uh, big tech pharma. and and big pharma. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you know big corporations and 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 you know government regulators are funding them, it means that they have to push the narrative of of those corporations and and those people who are who are giving them money because. How you control the narrative is by controlling controlling the media, because the media is the mean is the medium through which um, the masses, you know, ordinary citizens, can be conditioned to think a certain way, um, or, or to perceive a situation a certain way, as has been the case um, in in this pandemic throughout this pandemic. So I think um, that's why. There's a lot of bias, and that's why um, the media uh, resort to labelling, you know. And and we'll, we'll, this article, you know, talks about some of those labels, and it's I, I think it's it's very unhelpful um, to to sort of um, label these protesters without actually, you know, um, seeing on the ground firsthand and and maybe asking. Uh, and maybe reporting on it mm -hmm. by 
you know, um, asking the protesters, um, you know, wh why, wh what are some of their frustrations, what are some of their grievances, giving them some airtime without straight away resorting to, oh, they're anti-vaxxers, uh, anti they're fascists, they're this, they're that. It's very unhelpful, don't you think? That's exactly right. And it, it's very ironic because I just want to use uh, an example with what's happening with Canada. So they have um, initiated the Emergencies Act, right? However, it's with what's happening with the convoy, it's not uh, widely reported, as we've just stated. Yep. Yet there's an emergency act. That's right. So, it's, so you know, you're thinking, well, hold on. If it's that much of an emergency, why isn't it being... If it's if it's only a fringe group of people, then what's what's to worry about? It would be reported globally. Like, for example, with 9-11, when that happened, the whole world knew about it. And that was that was uh, at a time where, where technology wasn't where it is now. Now, in, in an instant, every single person on the globe pretty much will be able to see what's going on. So th this is this is where you, know, you need to start thinking, well, why? What, what's the point of this? And why is it that that it's a global effort around the world with all these leaders going about the same thing? That's right. This this dictatorship style of control and and um, um, war against citizens. That's censorship. right. Censorship. Censorship. Exactly We've seen a lot right. of that. And what they're doing is they're encouraging individuals to um, boycott. Uh, to, to boycott um, anyone who speaks out against the narrative, um, whether it's podcasters or YouTubers, uh, etc. Um, and, and and why that is dangerous is forget about if you don't if you do, if you don't agree with someone else's opinion, that's fine. That's fine I mean yeah. that's that's why it's called an opinion. But when you actively go and start shutting people down, I mean that's where it becomes very dangerous because. Because you're you're saying to the government, you're saying to the institutions, to the establishment, that yes, I want to be controlled, and I want you to control everyone else. But what you don't understand is what. So what you should you need to understand is is that once you give that bit of power and you take away freedom, those freedoms it never comes back. It never ever comes back, um, and and I think people are starting to realise that now. Yeah, and it's, it's important as well to note that it's not always about the opinion, whether you agree with with what someone uh, says, but it's about the principle underlying that. And here, the principle is that everyone in a democracy has the right to to protest. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's also important to to you know think well if if I even if I don't agree with with um, someone's views they are allowed to exercise their democratic right to free speech as am i on matters that i'm that i feel passionate about um so reading on to so the legacy meeting in canada and the united states have opted to fall in line with prime minister trudeau's doubling of the convoy and his supporters as a fringe minority the labeling again um, packed with racists, homophobes, would-be Jan 6th-style insurrectionists and conspiracy theorists opposed to medical scientists. The Washington Post called it a toxic movement that needed to be confronted. Um, in the face of these claims, organisers of the Freedom Convoy confirmed in a weekend press conference that 90% of the truckers were fully vaccinated. 
For the truckers, it's not about vaccines, it's about having the freedom to choose. Now, that's a very important distinction to make um, because in Australia, uh, a lot of the protests have also been about the freedom to choose as well. Um, that the organisers felt the need to hold a press conference for only trustworthy media speak vo- speak, speaks volumes about the death of public trust in the legacy media which has failed to, to live up its role as a fourth estate in Western democracy. Now, you mentioned before that uh, in the last week, Justin Trudeau has invoked the Emergencies Act for the first time. Now, in fact, its predecessor was the War Measures Act, um, which his father, Pierre Trudeau, invoked back in 1970. Um and that was that's, that uh, piece of legislation uh, gave the government extra powers, um, you know, in in times of war, um, and say you know the, the, the country was being invaded. But now it's sort of they've amended it and it's, it's broadened out to be um, to any sort of crises. Um, so we'll, we'll have a look at at another article that. Um, goes into a bit more detail um, on on the on Trudeau's actions. Um, so Trudeau vows to freeze anti-mandate protesters' bank accounts. Mr. Trudeau said the scope of the measures would be time limited, reasonable, and proportionate, and would not see the military deployed. So this is in relation to his uh, invocation of of the um, Emergencies Act. With no need for court orders, banks can freeze personal accounts of anyone linked with the protests. I'm going to repeat that. With no need for court orders, banks can freeze personal accounts of anyone linked with the protests. That's unbelievable. Hundreds of demonstrators remain in Canada's capital city. Law enforcement cleared anti on Sunday. Law enforcement cleared anti-mandate protesters at the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor a critical pathway for Canada-US trade after a week-long stalemate. What began as a rally against a new rule that all truckers must be vaccinated has grown into a broader challenge to all COVID health restrictions. This is, uh, this is, um, Mr. Trudeau, this is Justin Trudeau speaking. This is about keeping Canadians safe, protecting people's jobs. He said the police would be given more tools to imprison or fine protesters and protect critical infrastructure. He told reporters that the legislation will be applied temporarily and in a highly specific manner. Critics have noted that the Prime Minister voiced support for farmers in India who blocked major highways to New Delhi for a year in 2021, saying at the time Canada will always be there to defend the right of peaceful protest. Interesting. Um, Mr Trudeau's invoking of the Emergencies Act comes as demonstrations across Canada enter their third week. So he's probably thinking, shit, they're they're not going to stop, so... And I can't, I, I can't, you know, give in as well. Um, so I'm going to have to do something unprecedented. And I think that's why he's decided to invoke the Emergencies Act. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, I think he's going to go all out now. He's, he's definitely not going to stop. And it'll be interesting to see how the protesters um, uh react to that and how they and whether they maybe they might change tack mm-hmm. um because obviously it's going to get more 
you know, uh, tough on, on them. That's right, especially when you're freezing, um, you know, insurance and you're, you're freezing assets and access to money. Um, uh, it, it's definitely going to, st- it will definitely showcase how, um, you know, how determined and dedicated um, yeah, and they are. They, they've even changed, like, the definition of aiding and abetting because they know that people um, are supplying, you know, fuel and food and, you know, they're quite resourceful. These these um, protesters, and yeah, they're they're they're, very they're, they're 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 very efficient. Yeah, th- the way they're supporting each other and keeping it afloat is, is um it's actually very it's good to see that that kind of um human compassion and, and element that element you know that that people are willing to help each other you know maybe they're not able to to protest but they'll they'll feel the people that mm. are there you yeah. know with food and resources. I also want to bring something up um, uh, with with Trudeau and, and and these these government figures is they're not afraid to attack other members of parliament uh, in front of the world stage as well. Like the other day, um, Trudeau made a comment to another member of parliament, Melissa Lanceman, um, accusing her of you know uh, being associated with the swastikas and. It's so ironic because Melissa is a Jewish woman who has ancestors yep. that were that were um, um, that had, had uh, endured the Holocaust. So it's not like uh, someone who who is is like, this is someone who's from the Jewish um, community uh, and and is and is and is proud of it. How could you accuse someone of that? And not just that. He was so he, he wasn't just brazen enough to 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 accuse her, but he wouldn't apologize either. And this just shows the sheer arrogance and dictatorship style um, of leadership that we're seeing now. Um, to me, that is scary because it's no longer um, uh, there's no longer any um, any substance or any um, um, any facts or evidence in the discussions between Parliament. It's literally just. All name calling, name calling, uh, yep. uh, uh, defaming, yeah, um, finding right. any dirt yeah. or making up any dirt in order to discredit, uh, um, you know, each other. It, it, it is chaotic, in my opinion. Yeah. And what's also ironic is that you know he's he's also called uh, you know these protesters um, racists and misogynists, but in relation to to to, to that racist bit. What's funny is that when he was, uh, when he taught at a private school back in 2001, he uh, engaged in what's called uh, blackface. So mm-hmm. basically he he uh, put dark makeup on his face um, and uh, during, uh, I think it was a, a, a themed gala or something, he was trying to, um, uh, he was a, Basically, in a role, he was acting in a role, mm-hmm. and and I think also he was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, let me have a look. Um, yeah, so in, in high school, uh, he wore blackface makeup to sing "Dayo," which is a Jamaican folk song famously performed by African American singer and civil rights activist <laughs> Harry uh, <laughs> <laughs> Belafonte. Uh, it, it, it's it's all hypocrisy. That's right. This is, this yeah. is it. 
and he has apologized for that, but it's just it's ironic. And I want to add to uh, add to um, to this in terms of digging up history. So back in 2013, uh, Trudeau was at a ladies' night fundraiser uh, in Toronto, um, and I'm going to read you this quote of what he said about China. He said, there is a level of admiration I actually have for China because their basic dictatorship is allowing them to actually turn their economy around on a dime um, and say we need to go green, we need to start, you know, investing in solar. There is flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about having a dictatorship where you can do whatever you wanted that I find quite interesting. Now, um, I mean, this is back almost 10 years ago. He is openly saying that he admires admires the dictatorship style of China in its ability to essentially um, um, uh, turn the economy around. Um, and no one is, is freaked out about that. Yeah. Like, how can you not see the correlation between his father, Pierre, back in the 70s, with the decisions he made, with what was that act called before the Emergency Act? The War Measures Act. The War Measures Act. Yep. Um, and now um, his son, yeah. Trudeau, essentially going through the same path, That's and right. it's backed up with his own statements. This is not uh, assuming anything, yet, again, this is the case of where um, in order to achieve an agenda, you need to distract the people. Mm. So you, you distract the people with focusing on, look what's happening with this convoy here. Yeah, look divide what's hap- and conquer. Divide yeah. and conquer, exactly. Divide and conquer. Um, and and I'm, I, I'm happy now that people are starting to uh, investigate and question things and start to realise what really is happening um, um, around the world. That's right. And, and I think this, this um, convoy has been very helpful in doing that. Um, in exposing the hypocrisy, in um, you know making people question. Well, maybe maybe they do have a point. Maybe these restrictions have gone on for too long. Maybe these vaccine mandates are unfair, or or you know uh, infringe upon um, a person's freedom of choice. And the government has lost control now um, because this this has sparked something. All around the world now, there are convoys happening in Australia, uh, in in the Netherlands, in, in in other countries as well. So it's it's not stopping. Um, the there's a lot of momentum now, um, and it will be interesting to see now how this plays out because obviously they still have to have a vote. I think um, on on the um, so he, he invoked the Emergencies Act. They still have a, they have to have a vote. The federal government. Um, so we'll see how this plays out. I'm sure that they uh, are going to employ other tactics, the government, but I'm sure that, they're going to stand, that the protesters are going to stand their ground. So we'll, we'll watch out for, for that, and, and we'll also update on any, on any progress. Um, is there anything else you want to add to that? Um, I just wanted to make a comment um, about Australia and vaccines. Not not about the vaccine itself, just about the decisions the government is making surrounding it, and why, you know, we need to question things. So, um, the government has the government has uh, ordered an additional eighty five million doses um, in mid twenty twenty one, 
So if you think about that, that's the government ent- saying essentially that each person is going to need multiple yeah. d- doses of 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 the of the vaccine um in the in the short term which in a way is saying that we know something you don't know you know that, that's right that, yeah. because usually with 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 you know when it comes to to just the health in general of course you can prepare but you can't prepare that adva- in that in advance you know it, it's it's basically situation and case by case but okay now we've reached this point we may need to um you know think about another solution or we need to purchase more a medication and what vaccine. About, there are so many variables as well what about the um um if more strains come along what about what about if if a new strain comes along that is let's just say f- for some reason um uh, even more deadly then maybe you know, you need to readjust, or it could be the opposite. Maybe it's it's not not deadly at all. Which Maybe it's so minor, which is most likely. So, how can you preempt that and and start ordering those? Yeah. This is the things that I think, um, as people around the world, we need to, to to start thinking about and questioning. Yeah, and also I just want to mention that um, since the the convoy, um, some provinces have have already begun to relax COVID nineteen restrictions. So Alberta, Saskatchewan, Quebec announced plans to lift COVID-19 restrictions, saying that it will increasingly be up to citizens to assess the risks they face from the virus. So I don't think this is a coincidence. I think that um, they've come on board because they know that um, they're not going to stop what they're doing until they, until they get the response that they want from the federal government, the, the you know, the, the, um, state governments, the provinces, so um, that's that's also a good sign. Um, but again, the problem is with the federal government. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. Yeah. So let's move on to the Prince Andrew settlement, and we covered this a couple of weeks ago, but there has been some um, some progress or, or an update. Um, and I want to go through this this um, article. Um, Prince Andrew will never be given a position on the balcony after sex abuse settlement. Um, Prince Andrew will... Uh, Jeffrey accused Prince Andrew of sexually abusing her on three separate occasions when she was under 18. Um, the case was set to go to trial um, in 2022, uh, later this year. Now, the exact number to be paid out in the settlement is unknown, but it's estimated that it could be anywhere um, between 14 to 21 million, plus the legal fees to be covered by Prince Andrew. Um, Besides the undisclosed donation to Jeffrey's uh, charity, so they also donated to a charity, um, the filing did not specify whether the 38-year-old would personally receive money as part of the settlement, Jeffrey. in addition, it has been reported that Queen Elizabeth II helped contribute to the settlement amount through a private fund, not through taxpayers' money, but the palace has refused to comment on the financials of Prince Andrew. The Queen, I think wisely, although I don't think she had to sell any jewellery, I don't think she pried open the, the tower to take out a tiara, but I think that he just didn't have uh, that kind of money, Hay told Fox News um, Digital. Um, 
Let me have a look. Uh, Hay believes the Queen made Prince Andrew pitch in, but speculates that ultimately Queen Elizabeth II bailed him out. What do you think of that? Do you think the Queen bailed him out? I think she definitely did. Yeah. That's my opinion. Um, uh, I mean, what what baffles me is that it, and there was an original settlement back in 2009, correct? Yep. And then now this issue resurfaced, especially with the Epstein case um, that, uh, that came to light a couple of years ago. Now, um, this should be an indication of what the royal family potentially gets up to. Because it's not it's not this case of or one just went rogue and and you know um uh, you know he was the dud of the family so to say and you know now we've got rid of him um in in that regard um we, we don't want to we want to disassociate ourselves from him um you know it's a very tight-knit group and i think with this epstein case it brought to light i know i'm jumping around with a different issue with epstein but i think it brought to light that that there were there are many things that happen um, within that that royal space that we just don't know about, and we may not ever know, and we may not ever until know until like years and years to come. We we won't know until you know, in in my opinion, probably at least a hundred years oh, yeah. plus, because because for for this type of information to come to light, it would it would make the general public number one not believe in the system, um, or be or, or it, it would it would be such a shock to say, hold on, is this really how the world works? So we'll need a, another generation to go through in order for that for those events to. Um, what I'm trying to say is um, lessen the impact to the people because oh, this happened. It's like, for example, what happened in in World War One or World War Two. Someone my age would be like, oh, um, you know, that was devastating. Mm. You know what happened? You know, in the Holocaust or what happened. Um, in Vietnam, for example, but because we weren't there at the time, the the that impact isn't f- felt as much. If that yeah, makes sense, yeah, it, it's kind That's of softened. Right. So they would have to wait, uh, essentially, a new ge- another generation, another century for that to come out. Yeah, and I think it's important to note as well that despite the settlement, Prince Andrew never admitted to sexually assaulting Dufrey, um, and people will find that interesting why would you pay that that amount of money if you're not guilty but i think that it's probably he knew that it it was in his best interests to not go to trial to reach a settlement before trial um because had there been a trial um he would have been exposed even more than he already um has been so and look, I I have some sympathy for the Queen because I think mm. in the in the last couple of years she's she's been through a lot, you know, with with the the Harry and Meghan drama and that's right. And her husband passing away last year, mm-hmm. and now this, you know, she's and let's not forget she's just, she's she's still um, performing public duty. She hasn't retired. That's right. So she's gone through a lot. Um, and also this year, I think, is her um, platinum jubilee. I think it's 70 years after uh, since mm-hmm. um, her accession um, as, a, as, a, as a queen. Mm-hmm. 
So I do have some sympathy, but I do agree with you um, that there's, I think there's more to be, to be discovered and, and eventually I think, I think it's inevitable. I think it's inevitable that more will be, um, uh, will come to the surface um, and, you know, more, more of the rules will be exposed because they have, they're quite, I don't know, elusive. They've always been like undercover. And so maybe they probably thought uh, we can get away with, we can get away with a lot because um, their sort of, or the Queen's philosophy is never complain, never explain. So, you know, if you don't say anything, if you don't front the media, then you won't be exposed. That That's right. And, and that was evident in the interview with Prince Andrew, where you could see that his answers, it, it, it was so, um, uh, like, if, when you watch the interview, it didn't seem like it was reality. Like, oh, what? These answers that are, you know, I'm, I didn't sweat back then, and, and the excuses were just poor. I mean, you wouldn't ex- mm. ex- you wouldn't expect those excuses from, you know, from a, a child in school. Yeah. Like it was that, and that just that just exemplified that. To your point, is that they're not used to confronting the media yeah. and having to justify their actions. It's simply, when I say anything, you don't ask questions, and no one knows. Move on. Yeah, that, that's it. And and that's how they've they've been able to, to um. Um, to, to to kind of fly on the radar, but I just want to go back to this Epstein case quickly because there's definitely more to this story um, that we don't know about because you could see Prince Andrew was spotted with 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 Epstein right days after the interview, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. There was photos of him, which shows you the power that Epstein must have had, or 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 maybe. The, the evidence he might have had against him because why would you be with someone that is accused of um, being a um, uh, you know solicitation a, a sex offender etc mm. um, and was in prison why would you still want to be seen in public unless it was that serious that you had to go and speak to him um, so there's definitely more to that story and again in that case the information um, won't be um, coming out in our lifetime. And just an observation, I feel like um, Prince Andrew has sort of flipped this around, and it's almost it's almost become like, oh, I'm doing I'm doing this as a, thril- a philanthropic act, mm-hmm. like I'm donating to a charity, and he even said, um, or there's a quote. Prince Andrew is never intended to malign Mr. Frey's character and he accepts that she has suffered both as an established victim of abuse and as a result of unfair public attacks. Um, uh, it is known that Jeffrey Epstein trafficked countless young girls over the years. Prince Andrew regrets his association with Epstein and commends the bravery of Mr. Frey and other survivors. So he's kind of like taking a step back. I commend her bravery. It, it's, um, it's, it's, it's like he's, he's trying to twist it in the sense that he's a... His settlement with her, it was an act of compassion. That's right, that's right, He's trying compassion. to make it seem like, you know, I'm doing you a favour. Yeah. I could have went to court and, you know, yeah. you, you would have lost, but I wanted to sell it for you because, you you, you know, you've endured so yeah. much. A- and and he's just trying, obviously, it's it's a political thing. Yeah. He's trying to show yeah. the public that he's innocent and, um, and you know, he's he's trying to support victims of abuse. Yeah. So let's move on to our final topic, um, Novak Djokovic. 
and we're excited about this one because that was our um, a debut, a debut um, uh, uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Djokovic has spoken out now about his experience in Australia and I think that um, he was probably clever, wise, I should say, in in letting it settle down a bit, giving it a bit of time, because I'd imagine that if he were, had he accepted to do an interview like straight after he was deported, um, then he would probably say things that he would regret because in, he, would, he would be in that state of of anger and you know you know I've been treated un- unfairly. But now he's sort of he's got a he's, he's got a bit more perspective now that some time has passed. And I want to go through um, this BBC article, and it was written by the journalist who actually interviewed him, um, Amol Rajan. Um, and it says, Novak Djokovic willing to miss tournaments over vaccine. Novak Djokovic has said he would rather miss out on future tennis trophies than be forced to get a COVID vaccine. Speaking exclusively to, his BBC, to the BBC, he said missing competitions such as the French Open over his job status was the price that I'm willing to pay. Um, the twin-time grandstand winner was deported from Australia last month. Um, he described the conditions while it was detained as very hard. He said he, he had not spoken out in the media at the time, despite wanting to, as he wanted to respect the legal process in the Australian Open. Fair enough. Um, he also said that he should... He should not be associated with the anti-vax movement, but supported an individual's right to choose. And I think that distinction there, that was important um, for him to make that distinction, I feel. Because mm-hmm. um, he said, I, I remember him saying in the interview, I've never claimed to be part of, of the anti-vax movement. Um, because the the journalist was kind of um, alluding to the fact that even though you may not intend to influence people, you do by virtue of your status um, as a as a you know a world number one professional athlete. Of course, you're going to influence people. Um, but I think look, he was very calm. He was very considered in the interview. He knew what to say, but most importantly, I think he knew what not to say mm-hmm. in certain moments. And I think that served him well. I think you can't you can't really say anything. Um, negative about about the interview and what he said um he kept a cool head he um he he said what he needed to say um about the whole process um and i have a lot of res- i have even i already had respect for him but i have I, I have even more respect for him after watching that interview um and you know him saying that you know well if it if it boils down to not being able to compete in many tournaments this year, then that's the price of willing to pay. And some people might think, some people might be shocked um, because, you know, you'd think that in his position um, as the world number one player, as someone who uh, is likely to win the Grand Slam race, um, that he would... um, go ahead and, and, you know, get vaccinated um, so he could, and especially after Nadal won the Australian Open, mm-hmm. he's got 21 Grand Slams. But no, he's stuck to his ground. Uh, you know, he's 
he he's a man of his of his word he's a man of his principles and for that I, I really admire him yeah I, I'm I'm in agreement with you there um, and it's he's received see a lot of people when it comes to you know your top three you got Nadal you know Federer and Djokovic he's always been he's always been the least liked and yep. it's ironic that he's now become he's now been liked even more not for his tennis but for his position on free will mm. and he's got a lot more respect from people who either didn't like him originally or just didn't really know who who he was um or didn't care much about him so he's got a lot more respect from the the community but i mean i think in my opinion i don't, i think he'll be allowed to play tournaments because you have to think about it from this perspective is that if they completely ban him and you've and the people are going to be like behold on you've got this person this athlete he's had covid at, let's just say at least once uh, he's recovered fine uh, he's he's healthy he's fit um, and he's willing not to play because of this it's a really bad image so i think what's going to happen is this will just Simmer down for a little while. Um, you know, people will, will forget about it, and then um, he'll be he'll start playing in some tournaments first. And yeah, he's playing in Dubai. I think he'll be exactly. This week, yeah. He'll be playing in some tournaments, and then eventually, yeah. when it comes to the Grand Slams, um, he'll he'll um, he'll be playing. He'll be playing back to normal. It'd be better for them to let this let it go quietly, and then you know, kind of slip him back into the in, into the tournaments. And move on, rather than keep creating this saga um, that, at the end of the day, will achieve very little. Uh, I think for for, pe- for people involved. Um, but yeah, it's see what is interesting with Novak is that he's in a position where I'm not going to say it's the right thing to do. I'm just saying he could have easily especially with his wealth and his connections, etc., he could have faked the documents that he was vaccinated, yep. right? Let's just be honest. He could probably could have faked it, could have got something legitimate, and no one would have questioned, right? Would have went in, you know, uh, and, and the show goes on. But I think it's interesting that he's making a statement, I think, to the world that, no, I won't do it, and it doesn't matter what it costs me. If it costs me my 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 career, my legacy, it doesn't matter. So in that regard, I, I think that's very um, admirable. Mm. Um, but like I said, I, I wouldn't obviously condone fudging the documents. But I'm just saying that that if if it mattered to him that much and he didn't want to do it, I'm sure it would have been an option for him, you know, um, in order to to get what he wanted, right? Well, even at the start, before he um, he went public and said, I don't think that anyone should be forced mm-hmm. um, to get to, to get a vaccine. Um, but I think he put himself in a very um, unique position whereby after he made known that um, he didn't want to disclose his, his vaccination status and maybe people... Um, Maybe people sort of uh, drew the conclusion that he wasn't vaccinated. But after that whole Australian Open saga, if he were to get vaccinated, then the fans that he had before um, would would be extremely disappointed 
and in fact would probably turn against him um, and said, you know, how come, you know, you didn't stick to your word, blah, blah. So I think had he, had he, had he uh, done that, he would have been in sort of a no man's land. It would have done more damage and good. Yeah. Might be, I agree. Cause, because once, see, the thing is, once you make a massive statement on yeah. a global stage like that, you you have to stick to, you have to stick to your beliefs. That's and, right. And, and, um, and and um and not kind of flip flop around or, or go back on your word, and he knew this is the thing he would have known this, he would have thought this through. He would have, like we mentioned in the in the Novak episode, his lawyers would have told him, you know, this is the chance of you being able to. He knew what he was getting himself into. Um, but it was a statement. Uh, I agree with it, you. It, it was. It was. It was, it was a global yeah. statement. Um, and and uh, he's willing to sacrifice uh, his legacy for it. So. Yeah. I think that's that. Yep. Um, I just want to uh, uh, mention a couple more quotes from the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so when asked, um, he, he said he hoped um, that he could play for many more years uh, and he confirmed he was willing to forego the chance to become statistically the greatest male tennis player of all times because he felt so strongly. Asked why... He said, because the principles of decision-making on my body are more important than any title or anything else. I'm trying to be in tune with my body as much as I possibly can. He also said he's, he'd always been a great student of wellness, well-being, health, nutrition, and his decision has been partly influenced by the positive impact factors such as changing his diet and his sleeping patterns has had on his abilities as an athlete. But he also said, interestingly, that he's keeping his mind open about the possibility of being vaccinated in the future because we're all trying to find collectively the best possible solution to end COVID. So he was very diplomatic. Um, He knew what to say. Um, And I think, look, he knows, at the end of the day, he knows that his, over the last decade, that his decisions in terms of what is, in terms of... um, um, you know, keeping his body healthy and 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 what he, what he you know w- what he puts in his body, he knows that that's served him well, that he's very fit, very healthy. Um, it will probably outlast Nadal and Djokovic, mm-hmm. um, because of the decisions that he's made um, in terms of his his health and well being and fitness, and so he's not really um, worried. I, I get the sense that he's not worried. He knows he's got plenty of chances um, to, you know, to uh, get those grand slams. Mm-hmm. And I want to put, I want to say one final comment about Novak, and that is what he's doing now. In the future, he'll be looked at potentially at how Muhammad Ali was looked at. Muhammad Ali was, you know, a champion at his sport. Boxing, yet because of his his um, uh, his decisions to fight for you know black privilege and also you know to refuse to go into war, he was stripped of his his championship and he was sentenced to five years imprisonment. Mm. You know, so that was he sacrificed his boxing legacy. But look at what his real legacy is going forward. He's always known for someone who fought for his rights. He's more than just a, a sports person. More than just a yeah. sports person. So right now we may not see that. That's right. But in the future, 
um, in, in, in for the generations to come, I think Novak will, will um, yeah. have his place in the People will gain books. a lot more perspective. He will gain a lot more perspective yeah. as, the, as the year go by. Yeah. So that's all we had for you today um, of In the News with um, with uh, the uh, final analysis with Adam and Eden. So we'll uh, see you next time. Take care.